Hey guys, welcome back to Merlisten, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the characters, and the fandom. I'm Miss Snowfox. And I'm Omotastic. And we have a returning guest with us all the way back from our RON episode. We are really happy to welcome back. Hello. We Hi. wanted her back because we had such a great time with her on the previous podcast, and it's always nice to have some 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 fresh ideas even for you guys so that we're not boring you all the time <laughs> lovely um Momo, would you like to give us some news yes definitely let's hear some news cornelot posted a reminder that the convention will begin in now less than six months and that there are still tickets left they also promised to post a complete schedule soon for more information and to be the first one to know when that happens follow them on tumblr this is your reminder that the After Cumlon Big Bang has opened sign-ups. They'll stay open until the 10th of May for all writers, and until the 20th of June for all artists. Additionally, their support community, Camladerie, is going to host a few writing challenges and check-ins to help you get into the spirit of writing that ACBB fic. The Merlin Art Fest second round has opened sign-ups today. They will stay open until the 15th of April. For the second round, the art fest will also include writers in the challenge. And finally, a reminder that the Camelot Drabble community on LifeJournal is an ongoing prompt-based challenge where you can participate anytime you want. Similarly, Merlin Stills on LifeJournal hosts regular icon challenges and is always looking for more participants. And that has been it for news. So this week we are back with another character analysis, like promised, and we are talking about the everyone's problematic fave. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about Mordred today, but before we get into that, we want to quickly do a talk back. And before we do the talk back, I want to give a shout out to the Life Journal community Merlin Finders, which were incredibly helpful in helping me find the fic that I couldn't remember last time uh, in the Morgana episode. So if you, dear listeners, are ever looking for a Merlin fic that you've read but can't remember author or title of, Merlin-Finders on LifeJournal is definitely your friend. I second that. They have helped me out many a time in the past. <laughs> and an actual talk back from someone who Rox and I admire a lot who is Archaeologist D, who is a well-known name in fandom. And she has been listening to our podcast bit by bit and left us a comment on our eighth episode, which was a review of the episode Poison Chalice. And I talked, like in the episode, I talked about um, the official ceremonial robes of the Servants of Camelot TM. And how I never have seen anyone else ever wear these robes. And then um, Dee pointed out quite rightfully that the servants do wear the red under tunics occasionally in other episodes. Just not the hat or the cape. And uh, I want to add that I did realize that too much later <laughs> after I uh, complained about this. I was looking up something entirely else. And uh, was looking at screen caps, and I did notice that yes, the servants do definitely wear this uh, the red tunic that Merlin 
Whereas in that episode, like, you can see them wearing that. Like, especially Uther's manservant in this one episode wears it. That's when I, that's when I noticed it. So it's just that nobody else ever is forced to wear the cape or the hat except Merlin, clearly. And Archie has said, um, Miss Snowfox, I would disagree with the contrivance of the poison cup and that Momo is right. It's perfect no matter who died. If Arthur died, she's got revenge. Same if Uther died. Even if Bayard died, there would be war with Mercia. If Merlin died, cool. In all cases, she wouldn't be to blame and would cause a lot of chaos for Uther and Camelot. Nimue has no risk in this. What I meant when I was saying that was that, like, like I said, there's no narrative clarity. Basically, I as a viewer don't really understand what she wants and what she's willing to do to get it. Because at the end of Mark of Nimue, we're told that she she wants to get revenge on Merlin. That is clear because that is what we see at, at the end of Mark of Nimue. She's like, Merlin, you will pay for this. And then in the actual episode, The Poison Chalice, we get the quote at the end from Gaius that destroying Uther and Camelot wasn't all she was after. So it was a part of her plan, but we're told that the major draw for her for this plan was to kill Merlin now my point was that even though there's not much risk to her there is a risk for the actual end goal of her plan not coming to fruition and that showing herself in Camelot put her at enough risk with not that much gratification like not much surety of payoff because for example even if Uther and Bayard hadn't kept the toasts going for as long as they did he would have already drunk it and died. And yeah, like I get that that would have still caused havoc for Camelot, but it wouldn't have actually done anything to kill Merlin, which is like she wanted revenge on him. And my biggest thing as well, if she really wanted to like create like the perfect plan to not, you know, get herself in the shit and throw herself under the bus, why in the world did she enchant that flower to increase the potency of the poison? Because that's in the end what ticks Gaius off that something's wrong and ticks Gaius off that it was actually her that did it and not Bayard if she just left it as it was and not used an enchantment at all then Bayard would have had no alibi so to speak and there would have been war if destroying Camelot was like one of her goals but her main goal was killing Merlin which is what we're led to believe in the episode then it wasn't a very good plan to do that because too much could have gone wrong for him to end up being alive which isn't what she wanted and if destroying Camelot was her main goal then that wasn't communicated for me in the episode well enough okay so let's get into let's get into Mordred because I fear I might get distracted during talking about Mordred on the show we're gonna start with Mordred in the legends so he's called he is usually called some version of Mordred. It's not like Morgana, who in the Legends is actually known as Mo Morgane, uh, or Gwen, who is, of course, known as Gwynewere, or any of the billion variations thereof. Um, but Mordred is usually Mordred, although he is Mordredos in Monmouth's Historia Regum Britanniae. Britannie. God, I suck at Latin, I apologize. <laughs> There are other variations on the name. It is ultimately derived from Latin moderatus, which means within bounds, with moderation, or just moderate. And it's uh, he's first mentioned in the Annals of uh, Cumbria for the year 537 as Maedraut. And there he's mentioned in association with the Battle of Camlan. Yay! However, in that uh, 
uh, in that journal, he's only mentioned, like he is mentioned, but the only mention there is of him is that both he and Arthur fell during the battle. There's not even any indication who killed whom or that they even fought each other at all. Like they were literally just both there at the battle and they both died. That's that's all this journal has to say about the thing. <clears throat> And then there are early sources around like 1100 in which Mordred is described as a man of valor and honor and someone who is as good of character as Arthur. So remember how his name means something like moderate and modest? Clearly, <laughs> this name was chosen uh, with a purpose in mind because his original character traits are, you know, he's a good lad, basically. And then uh, Monmouth makes him Arthur's nephew, who betrays him while Arthur is gone to fight a war. And according to Monmouth, uh, Mordred crowns himself king in Arthur's absence and has an affair with Guinevere. And whether Guinevere went along willingly or is being forced into this is not made clear, because clearly Monmouth didn't care about that. Um... But this treachery by Mordred is basically the reason why Arthur returns. And then there's this battle at Camelon because of Mordred's betrayal. And yeah, and then, you know, as is often the case with the Arthurian legends, the family relations or just character relationships differ from version to version. So... Like I said, in Monmouth, he was um, Arthur's nephew. These days, he's best known as Arthur's illegitimate son by his half-sister, Morgos. So yeah, in earlier literature, uh, Mordred is Morgos' and King Lod of Orkney's legitimate son and a brother to Gawain, Agravain, Gaharis, and Gareth. So Arthur's cousin, basically. And then in the Welsh text, he's never Arthur's son, legitimate or otherwise, although there are sources where Arthur is put in the role of foster father for Mordred, which, uh, if we cast an eye into the future of this podcast, uh, Arthur in BBC's Merlin kind of took on a role of, like, you know, father figure for Mordred after he took him into Camelot in season five. And in the Scottish texts from the 14th century, Mordred has been set up as the rightful heir to the throne of Britain, not Arthur. Like, Arthur is like an usurper to Mordred's claim to the throne. But unfortunately for Mordred, this depiction of him being the good lad who gets sidelined by Arthur hasn't really caught on. These days, he is, like Mordred the name even, is synonymous with traitor as much as Judas is. Which is not a so surprising parallel, given that Arthur is also some kind of Jesus figure in the British legends. So, there you have it. So let's let's talk about Mordred um, on the show and uh, just quickly look at what we know about him from from just watching the show. And I actually rewatched all of his relevant character episodes uh, last night and this morning before we started recording this. And there are only nine episodes in which Mordred plays a central role. And I'm not even counting 
um, Arthur Spain Part One. If I did count that, it would be ten. But he's in it in like for like a glimpse during Merlin's vision, and then for like a minute at the end, which is a great entrance. Honestly, a uh, hipster boy returning to Arthur's side is is awesome. Honestly, I love it. But like, it's not really relevant for his character development in any way. So there are only nine episodes in which Mordred plays a central role. And six of those are in season five. So in season one, he is a druid boy who is brought to Camelot by a grown man. And it's not even clear who this man is to Mordred. I mean, I suppose we can assume that he's either his father or some kind of guardian. But we don't actually know his relationship to Mordred. I think yeah, he I is was, a guardian. Yeah. yeah, I was assuming guardian as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that, that's funny. Like, most people would assume some kind of guardian, not father the thing is he has a lot of them <laughs> in butterfield every episode he shows up and he has another one of those father figure guardians and i don't remember their names right now um but they they he has someone that he looks to who who takes care of him and gaius specifies he, when merlin men- mentions mordred he says that that mordred spoke in his head uh gaius says that druids do look for children with such talents i had kind of assumed that he'd been that he'd been taken from his home or like given to as like jedi you know like we'll we'll help him figure this out so yeah we don't really have an indication of how long he has been living with the druids at this point but presumably since an early age and uh because he has been taught by the druids he can talk to other magic users telepathically like this is how he catches merlin's attention and then later morgana's and Morgana especially develops a strong maternal bond with him right from the start. And like uh, Gwen even comments on that, how Morgana is willing to risk so much for this boy. And then Morgana is like, there's a bond between us. She can't even really explain it. <clears throat> so, yeah, he and Morgana meet again later when, in season two. When she flees from Camelot to the Druid camp in search of help for her rising magic powers. I, I noticed this, that in the first two seasons, all of Mordred's episodes, which are only three, are also Morgana-centric episodes. Like, they are definitely linked in the first two seasons. Like, you have the, Mordred, the first Mordred episode, uh, beginning of the end, which is Morgana slowly... Or, like, even more coming to hate Uther for mindlessly killing innocent people just because they have magic, to the point where he's willing to kill children. And then in season two, it's all about Morgana trying to figure out what's happening to her, and that's when she meets Mordred again in the druid camp. And Mordred is like, this time it's, you know, I get to take care of you. You know, and then uh, the other episode is when he's with the bandits and... Uh, Alvar, the bandit leader, is manipulating Morgana into helping him get this crystal, and Morgana is very much anti-Uther in that episode as well. So, while Mordred is still a child, all of his, his appearances are linked to Morgana, and are uh, central to Morgana's character development as well. I found that really interesting. And I think I think those are both I mean on purpose um but I think it's because um by Mordred's second episode Merlin is told that Mordred and Morgana are going to be united in evil and 
a detriment to Arthur's health. <laughs> um, so I think that's part that's, of That's one way of putting it. A detriment to Arthur's health. <laughs> yes. Why they, why they, because it's linked to Morgana's power because Merlin's being told by Gaius, don't let Morgana know how powerful she is. And then he's like, but she should. And then Morgan shows up and he's like, oh shit, this is it again. And like the dragon, the dragon keeps on, you know, yeah, telling Merlin that Morgana will bring about Arthur's doom. And then he's already been telling Merlin this about Mordred this entire time. So, you know. Yeah, Mordred's like a doom stamp that gets Merlin really scared <laughs> every episode, and it freaks the audience out. Um, and then I I do think that, and this will probably be gotten to more later, but the um the goddess that is that is arranging Arthur's fate, I think that she is drawing Walter and Morgana together at this point. I think Morgana's. I don't know why. I just feel this strange, strong bond to him as soon as I meet him even though he isn't talking to the poor conscious, <laughs> is is that working? And you kind of see the same in Arthur. I think Arthur is more drawn to Mordred um, than he normally would be. Uh, they just both act a little weird in that first episode. Morgana more explicitly so, but Arthur too. Um, I, I think that it's, it's being arranged as the just-in-case Arthur doesn't get his shit together already at that point. Um, I No, I was just... Because you said, like, about how um, Mordred is linked with in Morgana heavy character episodes which 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 is obviously the case but I'm trying to think how to what extent maybe he's because obviously he is still being linked to Merlin as well and I wonder because obviously even though Morgana and Mordred have more scenes together I would say that what is kind of unspoken is the way that like Merlin and Mordred are being linked like not through their scenes together but through other things so like through conversations with the dragon or through like um uh the way that they're being kind of portrayed on screen i'm thinking specifically of that one shot of um them in the witch's quickening where merlin's got his ear up against the door and then like it pans and then another one in um uh in uh, in the nightmare begins where like uh he nearly tries to kill Mordred like with a spear or something and like they're just kind of looking at each other and they like they like barely I don't think they even speak until season five like I don't think they talk like obviously telepathically but they don't even but there's such a strong feeling of like them as like a together kind of essence it's so creepy actually like it's really weird like they 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 feel like enemies from the get go and they don't even have seen together okay i mean i'm i might get into this again later but like this is when they first meet when mordred calls to merlin for help because he's running away from the guards um and merlin brings him to morgana like until merlin goes to talk to the dragon in uh beginning of the end Merlin has no reason to be wary of Mordred, and he isn't. Like he might, he might find with Mordred, he find Mordred a little bit strange because, let's face it, Mordred is a little bit strange. But you know, <laughs> what do you expect from a, a presumably eight-year-old kid who spent his entire life growing up among droids who talk to him in his head? I mean, I I would be a little bit strange at that point. Let's be real. Uh, so, but Merlin doesn't really, you know, okay, Mordred is a little bit strange. Like, Mordred is also, I think, 
I think Merlin is fascinated by Mordred because Mordred has what Merlin never had at this point. Merlin never had someone to teach him about magic who explains things to him about magic. And Mordred has that even at that young age already. So um, Merlin probably finds him quite interesting and, and fascinating and, and, you know, and clearly wants him because in his eyes he's just a little kid who has not done nothing wrong except having magic and he just wants him to be safe and, and to get out of Camelot and to not die and then Merlin goes and talks to the dragon and we all know how that ends um, and that's when, when Merlin starts getting wary of Mordred because suddenly he's like he's got this this thing hanging over his head this Damocles sword which is basically well Right now he might be cute and innocent, but you wait a couple of years and then he's gonna kill Arthur. And I'm just like, ah. but I'm gonna get, I, I'm gonna get to that again. Uh, let me just quickly finish uh, Mordred on the show before I get into really, into a real rant. Um, so yeah, I just said it that he's probably probably somewhere around eight years old. I mean, his age is never really given, but I would assume that he is supposed to be like eight nine maybe something in that bracket there and then probably 18 in season five because there are like 10 years between season one and season five so asa uh butterfield who played mordred in season one and two was 11 in season one and alex vlahos who then plays grown-up mordred was 25 when they shot season five yeah, so we have Mordred in season one and two as as a kid, and then we don't ever see him again for two entire seasons <laughs> until season five. Like he's just he doesn't exist anymore at that point. Yeah, uh, for, for for like seven years, there's just no one no one knows anything of Mordred uh, because like uh, he teamed up with the bandits uh, with Alvar and his gang, and then they all get killed, and Mordred kills these two Camelot guards with a spear, very deliberately, while Merlin watches, and then uh, runs away, and that's the last we see of him. And then he comes back in season five, but the first time we see him is not even when we know that it's him. I mean, we as the audience kind of suspect that it's him, because we know how the Arthurian legends end. Uh, but we see him in a in a glimpse of the future that Merlin gets from a druid seer, where uh, a young lad with nice hair has just killed Arthur. <laughs> so that's the first glimpse we get of him in season five, and then of course at the end of Arthur Spain Part One, hipster boy Mordred shows up and uh, stops the bandit from killing Arthur right on the spot. And then gives him that little smirk. As a fan vidder, you tend to really pick up on like um, visual things in the fandoms, like that you're in as a like. Not that you don't pick up on verbal things as well, but like because you're, you're working with clips so often, you you have to pay so, such close attention to like facial expressions to get the exact like emotion you want when you're editing. And one thing that I always like, it, one of my favorite 
acting choices like ever made on this show was by Asa Butterfield in um the beginning of the end right right at the very end that scene with him and Arthur where he's just like I don't even know your name what's your name and he turns around and he goes my name is Mordred and then he says good luck Mordred and he smiles and then he just blinks and as soon as he opens his eyes again his expression is completely different and he looks like he could kill you like literally like he looks like he he looks like he will wear your skin like he is a creep and then like i said he's a strange boy yeah and then uh it's like you know kind of and i think all the producers like said that is like one of the best things we've ever seen like like and like in all the commentaries are like that was fucking amazing and then when i saw so it like stuck in my mind so much because it was such an iconic moment and then when alex did his first scene and he said oh um uh, you saved my life all those years ago. Hello, Arthur. And then he blinks. And I mean, he doesn't do it as well as Asa, <laughs> but he blinks <laughs> and he gives that like stern look, which to be honest with you, I mean, doesn't really make sense seeing as he's not actually antagonistic <laughs> towards him at this point. But it, but, but, but it's a gorgeous piece of continuity where it's like the, they have the same expression. I the, really think it's, it's to yeah. give the audience the sense of doom and foreboding because it's, it's right after he says he's Mordred. Like, I was, I did not realize it. Watching the whole episode, I did not realize who this was going to be. And then he said it, and I just lost my shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh such an God. amazing scene. <laughs> like, it's, it is one of, like, apart from any of the shippy things and, like, things that I love, like, it's probably one of my favorite scenes on the show. I mean, you probably kind of, like, if you're any kind of, like, like you probably had maybe some idea that this could maybe be Mordred because he's like, oh, that 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 little boy is gonna kill Arthur. It's prophesized. But I but I have a feeling that Mordred knows about the prophecy in that scene. I think that's where they were hoping to take it. Obviously, they changed their mind like halfway through the show. But that look to me says, I know that I'm destined to kill you one day. Like he knows about that, it. That's something I'm really interested in 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 talking with you guys because he knows. Emrys and he knows Merlin's prophecies and Ruidan knows that there's that prophecy that a druid will kill Arthur um they they know all of this stuff and I wondered if if Mordred ever had an an inclination indication that he was that that he was going to be the druid and Mm -hmm. if he was fighting that and that's what I hate is that they don't really get in Mordred's head you just watch it through Merlin's point of view and I just want Mordred. I want to know what Mordred is thinking. Like you were saying with Nimue, like I want this from his her point of view. I want to know what they were planning. And I mean, they have given us Mordred's point of view occasionally, but like not for this. And like, like I said, I I just recently rewatched all his relevant episodes, and there just like not as I could see any indication that he is aware of this prophecy. Yeah. You know, like he seems really in the dark with it. And even if he is, even if he even if he were aware of the prophecy, he very much has no intention of going through with it. Because in uh, Arthur's Bane Part 2, uh, when he brings Merlin uh, bread to eat, he's like, um, don't be so quick to judge me. Yeah, he says that over and over again. Like, even if he is aware that there is this prophecy and he has an inkling that it might be about him, he has no intention of, of killing Arthur at, at this point when he when they meet again. So there really is no reason for him to, to give him that look. 
<laughs> I mean, that makes me think that he like that that scene between him and Merlin makes me more sure that he does know a lot more than is actually said outright in the show because he says to him, "You fear me, Emrys, don't you?" Merlin has no reason to fear someone who, as far as we know, is magically inferior to him at this point because he's younger and he hasn't practiced magic for years. The only reason why he has any reason to fear him is because of the prophecy where he fears he will kill. Arthur so I I but I mean I'm just gonna get this like now so so that I won't have to interrupt later on but for me the biggest issue with with like him as a character is that like now that we're discussing it is I I find him a fascinating character in seasons one and two I find him a completely different person in season five and I think we know behind the scenes like you know kind of beyond the fourth wall that they uh wrote four and five kind of together like once season three was over they kind of decided that like it was going to be a five season show like it was for sure going to be five seasons and they mapped out seasons four and five like kind of together to to the end of the line and that's why we start getting more immortal merlin hints in four already because they knew that that's where they were going with it so i feel like i'm just irritated at that because i don't see any consistency between the Mordred of seasons one and two and the Mordred of season five, apart from the fact that they look very similar. I don't see anything because for me, Mordred in season one and two is a very, very morally ambiguous child because we know what he's going to do. And he does sketchy, like not like sketchy things of his own fruition, but he's involved in sketchy things. And he, um, you know, behaves in a way that makes me think that he knows what his role is in all of this. And that to me was very interesting. And season five, Mordred basically is wiped clean of that slate to the point where he doesn't even practice magic anymore apparently and Arthur has forgotten he's a druid apparently Um, (laughs) what so it's literally he is a completely new character as far as I'm concerned and his arc in season five is extremely generic and not interesting like it was in one and two like it's just not and I'm just kind of like you like he was so sinister and like you said creepy like it was really cool (laughs) so i just wish they'd kind of linked those two together a bit more i don't know why they didn't i mean there are i i mean i can see links to the character but they're definitely like all of the things you said they're definitely different characters in how they act now they are, they are different, but I mean, there are links where, like, um, you know, there's, I mean, Mordred, you start with Mordred with the druids, and then he loses the druids, uh, because, you know, uh, his guardian gets killed, and then he, he loses the druids, and then he gets back to another druid camp, and that druid camp also gets killed by Arthur and his men. <laughs> <laughs> because I do see. you know and uh and then Mordred is on his own and he he is with the bandits and then you have him with the bandits and those bandits also get killed uh and then you have the fast forward to season 5 when he is with another group of bandits and he talks to Morgana in uh, Arthur's Bane part 2 uh while they are having uh dinner together and he mentions that uh you know, he had to learn how to survive, how to hide his true self because people would kill him or use him for their own gain if they knew what he could do and so on and so forth. So I feel like there is there is this 
this ten like tender link like a little bit of a thread between like the end of Mordred's arc in season two and I use the word arc very loosely here because three episodes but um like the end of Mordred's story in season two to the beginning of or like the continuation of his story in season five there is this this small thread that links them but yeah apart from that they really are very different characters indeed i agree with that i don't really see the the difference i mean, it's hard because it is a brand new actor and there's so much space between them that's going to like create that feeling but i i can't i i don't see what's specifically different about them they're both so sweet and 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 good and kind but they're also so obviously survivors you know they truly i mean in Mordred's three episodes as Butterfield, you see him get darker and darker depending on the company he's keeping, you know? And it's, he doesn't kill anyone until the third when he's with Alvar, who is obviously a very different kind of... Um, Influence. Yeah, than Mordred has had so far. And that's when he does kill people and seem to like it. And that's when he gives his doom speech to Merlin and he leaves. And the next time you see him, he's still this sweet, good person that you saw like Mordred being with Morgana when he was tiny um Butterfield has him but he's still working with slave traders like he's they're they're capturing people in the woods and selling them to Morgana <laughs> like he's not in this great life position he he survives and he does bad things to people regardless of good or bad to survive um it's and it's the way I see him being through his whole his whole life and story I mean that's the very last episode is finding a good kingdom for a, a, a survival reason. Um, he's just finally helping his people and not just himself. But that's sidetracked into other stuff. Um, but I, I don't see the total disconnect between Butterfield and Buffalo. I don't mind that they are that there are differences between the characters because clearly, like I said, there are seven years between the last time we see Mordred as a kid and then the first time we see him as a adult. Like, Again, I use this word loosely because he's like 18. He's still a baby, just a slightly taller baby with more hair. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't, I'm not bothered by the differences because clearly there has been time in between this, and and he has to have grown up some and has to adapt to things and like learn things like even when he's uh, at the end of uh, his episode in season two uh, where he's like I will never forgive this uh, Emrys and I will never forget and then in season five you know there's no no sign of enmity between them and I'm like <laughs> like honestly he was like maybe nine a nine-year-old dramatic little shit <laughs> which I love <laughs> honestly like okay every kid like i i don't think there has ever been a kid on this planet who not at one point in their life when they were tiny had this moment of i hate you mom i hate you just because mom did something that the kid didn't like and that i'm sure they didn't try to throw a spear at them though (laughs) 
that is basically the equivalent of that. And then in the years in between, I'm sure there was a point in Mordred's life when he was like, oh my god, what a dramatic piss baby I've been. <laughs> I mean, he was nine, and it was it was quite dramatic in Doomsday. But Mordred is a part of a camp that he feels safe and accepted in. He finally has Morgana back, who he's already adopted as his mom. Merlin brings Camelot Knights to raid and murder the camp. Mer- Mordred's trying to escape. Merlin trips him, and two knights are in to attack Mordred. Mordred kills them and then gives his speech to Merlin. I support that speech. <laughs> Merlin attacked his family, and Mordred is, he's, he's nine years old. He's, I mean, he, not only does he probably not see the big picture, but I'm kind of on Elfar's side. I watched that episode again, and I'm just like, I, I didn't like the manipulation. He's kind of, he's not kind of, he's really gross, but, but Uther's an awful king to these people, to the, to the magic users. They have so many episodes, like, let's watch this bad guy try to kill Uther and Arthur. And I'm like, I, Ar- Ar- Arthur's actively killing them right now. So I don't get your point, guys. <laughs> they're kind of, they're kind of fighting their people in their lives. I, I implied this earlier, but Mordred has seen nothing but death. Like, he saw his guardian, or like, well, he didn't see his guardian die, but he definitely did feel his guardian die. That was the whole uh, mental scream and mirror breaking thing about in Morgana's chambers in season one. And then in season two, his entire camp gets killed by Arthur and his men who were, you know, who came there. And then his, his like you said, his new group of people that he feels like he belongs to gets killed by Arthur and his men and you know the kid has seen nothing but death and animosity and that he still has this kind of like I mean he is clearly he is jaded in season 5 and resentful that he has had to hide who he is just to protect himself you know um but there's also still this naivety and this goodness and this hope in him. Like there are these these scenes in season five where he's goofing around with the knights or where they where they make fun of how gullible he is when he rides out with them for his first mission and they were like, Mordred, aren't you forgetting something? Do you have your dagger and your water bottle? And what about your boot? You know, it's just it's a, and then there's the scene I forgot which which episode it is where he has to ride where he where they tell him he has to ride backwards in his saddle to break it in or something like that. And it's just like child <laughs> That is really funny. I love that moment. He's like, My lord <laughs> And he's just he is just so sweet and eager to please and eager to prove himself, you know. And there's, uh, and I, I, I'm amazed that he still has this sweetness in him after everything has happened to him and after everything, like what he's implied when he talked to Morgana. And you know, it's just uh. to get back to Mordred's uh, personality and and characteristics on the show since we already gone into this, he is also clever, actually. I noticed this in With All My Heart, where, you know, Arthur changes the, the supply route or whatever last minute secretly because Gwen betrayed their plans to Morgana and now Arthur has to change the route and he tells Leon and Mordred, which I find surprising that he, you know, tells Mordred. I mean, not that surprising, but like, 
Arthur has other knights whom he has known longer, but anyway, um, and Mordred is already like, why are you changing this? Why? What? What's going on? Why? Why does this have to be a secret? And then uh, he and Gwen see Merlin wheel the wheelbarrow with the with the body on it. Gwen has already turned away, and then Gwen's hand slips down from out under the under the cloth, and Mordred sees it and clearly identifies it as his queen's hand. <laughs> And so, you know, he, he puts two and two together and decides to sneakily follow Arthur and Merlin when they ride out of Camelot. And uh, I really like that they gave us this little bit of characterization of Mordred being clever and being able to, to deduce things. And also, like, just think about things critically, like... Not all the time, clearly, because, like I said, he's an 18-year-old teenage baby... Uh, but in the at the beginning of season five, he is glad to see Morgana, and he clearly feels still feels that bond with Morgana. But he can also see what Morgana has become in the years since they last saw each other. That she has become a fanatic, full of hate, who will use any means necessary, like her, in her eyes, necessary to achieve the goal that she wants and uh then they are down in the cave and Morgana is has every chance to kill Arthur and Merlin and Mordred is the one who stops her either because he felt he still ha owed a debt to Arthur although he did already repay that earlier or because he is like listen Morgana I love you like my foster mother that I never had but your way is wrong you know, so Arthur, he clearly he clearly can think for himself if he if he lets himself be rational about his decisions. <laughs> I do think it was the second option. I think that he, I think that he wants uh, goodness and happiness and freedom for the druids and magic users in Camelot, and he was like, "Yes, Morgana, no, not Morgana." <laughs> and Arthur was suddenly the best option <laughs> because Morgana was not going to help anyone. And I think that was his, yep, I think that was his decision there, that he actually has a better shot of convincing Arthur, who has shown himself in the last episode, to still be a good, caring person, um, to convince him to let magic back in than Morgana, who's, who's consumed by her hate. I don't know what I want for Mordred. I really don't. Like, I honestly <laughs> don't know what I... I mean, I think the only way that I would have been happy with his arc is if he'd have just been there more. Just the, this, the same with Lancelot. Yeah. Like, I just wanted him there more. Like, these are not side characters in the original legend. They are, you know, active main characters that cause a lot of the problems that end up happening and they are part of the tragedy of Arthur and they're just like side dishes to like other stuff that they try to do which I don't know why they decided to go down that route and Mordred is just one of the symptoms of that it's just like I just wish he'd been there a bit more but yeah I I agree with that but also like like because I've been thinking about what I didn't like about Mordred's character arc. And, like, what I... My biggest gripe with it is that um, for for this entire storyline, it's basically all about self-fulfilling prophecies, which I 
hate like self-fulfilling prophecies especially in merlin make me so angry <laughs> this whole thing with mordred being set up as the villain at the very end is started the moment merlin talks to the dragon in beginning of the end and like still believes him which okay until the end of season one merlin didn't realize what the basement lizard was up to okay but then he does realize and he still believes or he still buys into kilgara's rhetoric in season two he even starts buying into it even more because now uh, Kagara starts also talking about Morgana being evil more and more, you know, and her and Mordred being linked and bringing about Arthur's fall and whatever not. So, and Merlin is still a baby in season one himself. And even in season two, he's also still a baby. Okay, he's basically a baby until like season four or something. <laughs> um, But he, he just, he doesn't learn anything no. <laughs> from it like in season three he has this entire crystal cave episode about uh seeing a future and then trying to prevent it and thus making it happen you know and you think you'd think he'd learn from that <laughs> like, in know. his defense though even so he's like more naive about like his motives in season one and he believes him and that's why he tries to you know get rid of mordred and whatever and um and then um he once he realizes that he's a bit of a nasty piece of work in the nightmare begins he basically tells him like to shove it and that i'm gonna help morgana she's not a witch stop calling her that like she's not gonna be like that i know her she's a good person and he goes out of his way to help it doesn't tell her um about uh, his magic because you know he does try to be cautious but he helps her and he's like oh everything's fine so he's like i was right the dragon was wrong but then unfortunately for merlin in the witch's quickening even though he did what he said and he helped her things start to unravel and he starts realizing that actually even though he helped her and he thought everything was okay she's starting to turn against them and then in the fires of Edith Sholas when the dragon says the source of the pestilence is Morgana and he doesn't want to believe it but he knows it's true and I think in that moment he's like I thought I did like I thought that this that like I could prevent this because I don't believe in prophecy. I don't believe that things can't be changed. I helped her. Everything's fine. But he stood there with people asleep and, you know, ready to be killed by these knights. And he's like, he's right. She's going to be evil, whether I like it or not. And I need to stop this. So I think probably when it comes to Mordred, obviously being linked to her, you know, he's already been in that place where he's like, I'm not going to believe you because I'm going to do what I want. But actually he's realized that he doesn't have any control over this. And, it, it, and, and it's just out of his control and she is going to turn against them and then Mordred with her because if the dragon was right about Morgana and Mordred is prophesied to be linked with her then probably he should be very fearful of Mordred as well I mean that's just like he still tries to change it not just not with kindness he just tries to solve it with violence instead like he's still like even if he accepts that this is what's prophesied and that it's most likely going to come true he is still trying to to change it because i mean to be fair once you know the future you can't like there is no way you're not trying to either make it happen or stop it from happening like it is that's the paradox of the whole thing once you know what the future will bring no matter what you do 
you're probably going to cause it anyway, even if you try to do the exact opposite of what's probably what you think is going to happen or what you what you were prophesied is going to happen. And I get that, okay? I get that, you know, once you you've seen this, there is nothing you can do to prevent it because you're fucked either way. <laughs> but I just don't understand why why Merlin chooses the path of trying well Merlin continues to choose the path of violence rather than kindness especially when at the beginning of season 5 Mordred doesn't actually give him any reason to believe that Mordred is actively trying to kill Arthur bring about his doom like Merlin has to know that it was Mordred who uh, stabbed Morgana and, and saved Arthur in this time. Mordred in Camelot proves himself to be nothing but a good lad. Like even like Merlin himself has to admit that because there's this uh, uh, episode where where Gaius is like, do you think he's he's rash or or uh, you know uh, too dangerous? Like he like acts too rashly and too what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like thoughtlessly and and heads into danger without thinking about it and Merlin is like no no he's very thoughtful and and modest and you know honorable and he's a good fighter and everything like Merlin himself admits that Mordred isn't actually giving him any reason to believe that he's Yeah but he's seen dude. the prophecy already he's already seen the set in stone yeah, vision of Mordred no, stabbing no. and killing Arthur Yes he has but Mordred, as he is right now, is not giving him any proof of being that person. And I don't understand why Merlin thinks that the way he is acting is going to, like, improve the future for the better. Like, what is what is he thinking he's going to accomplish by giving Mordred nothing but distrust the entire time? Like... There's any hope of getting Mordred on their side is to make Mordred want to be on their side, and he's just telling Mordred, as long as you're here, I'm gonna hate you. And the best part is, like, be, be, and when I say best, I mean worst, <laughs> is <laughs> in Drawing of the Dark, when Mordred has already turned against Arthur. <laughs> Merlin is like, oh no, we have to keep Mordred in Camelot. The only way to yeah. to, to convince him to stay at Arthur's side is to show him kindness. And I'm like, really, Merlin? Now you realize. But I think when... But, yeah, but the thing is, is he's been taught... Like, but it's not like when he was shown that prophecy in the... Um, in Arthur's Bane part one that it said you know this is a prophecy that could happen if you're mean to Mordred but if you're nice to Mordred it might not happen no he says you cannot change Arthur's fate he will die by so if I was Merlin and in my opinion I would have killed him on sight I would have literally ended him there and then and I think that he probably like his biggest problem was he didn't try hard enough to just just get rid of him and then that would have sorted everything. Arthur wouldn't have died. What upsets me is that what what scene did he, was he told that he in season five that he cannot change it and Arthur it's, will be um, It's that it's that uh, old guy. Oh, it's like where he's like looking into that pool and then well, Arthur's like, oh, you 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 look like you've seen a ghost. And then Merlin said he's like, yeah, you're ghost. It's that old creepy like seer guy. I yeah. don't know what it. Even you he cannot said. change his fate, he says. 
if uh, maybe I have the wrong guy, but didn't he also say, and this is what Merlin was so scared of Mordred that he never heard, was repeatedly told that Mordred is not Arthur's bane. It's through the whole fifth season. Mordred. No, no, that um, that was the 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 Diamere, that alien thing living in the in the caves. Because at the end of Arthur's bane part two. Yo, yes, I'm sorry, you're right. I find yes. At the she end says, of Arthur's Bane Part 2, when Merlin is injured, the Diamere comes uh, to Merlin and, and heals him. And then Merlin is like, well, if Mordred isn't Arthur's Bane, then who is? And the Diamere says himself. And so, which is such a lie. Honestly, I wished, I wished in that moment that the Diamere had said, it's you, Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> That is so much more than truth. There's too many seers to keep up with. <laughs> Everyone has a prophecy. <laughs> Put your prophecy in a bowl. Because Arthur is showing Mordred nothing but kindness to the point where in Drawing of the Dark, he is willing to take back a sentence he has already said um, on the woman that... Uh, that Mordred loves because he is so fond of Mordred. Mordred means so much to him at this point already. He's basically his adopted son. And uh, he, is, he gives Kara every chance to repent, to take back what she said and to, to change and to show Arthur that, you know, she is willing to, to admit that she was wrong for killing people. That's basically all he's asking for her to say that she shouldn't have killed people. And uh, she isn't doing it. And and Arthur, like, I agree, Arthur didn't have another choice at this point in time. So what, what bothers me is that no one bothered to tell Mordred about this. I know, right? Like, I get... I get that Mordred wouldn't be invited to witness Kara's second trial because Mordred at this point was already a prisoner himself because he had tried to help a prisoner, a convicted prisoner, escape. So he was imprisoned himself. And I do understand that he could not be present at this second trial. But someone, and by someone I mean Merlin or Arthur himself, <laughs> could have made the effort to go down to the dungeon and to talk to Mordred, even if Mordred at this point might not have believed them because he was already pretty far gone. But at least there should have been the effort to explain to Mordred, Mordred, we wanted, we gave you a chance. We wanted you and Kara to be able to leave in peace just to be, you know, exiled so you, you could live together. But she didn't take that chance. She would not... She, like, she chose death over you, basically. <laughs> and no one told Mordred. I'm just so I think annoyed. they would have. She broke out as she hung. Like, it was like, damn, mm. they had no time to do anything. Yeah. Well, there must have been some time. Like, someone could have still gone down... Yeah, they just didn't know they were on a time limit. You know, and I mean, I, I suppose the assumption can be made that because um, Kara was summoned before the king, before she was hanged, that, you know, Mordred was supposed to infer that Arthur is giving her another chance or something. 
But really, that is a lot of inferral to expect from your audience for that moment. But the thing about the whole prophecy thing and like yeah. him, <laughs> him like being so like if you know if um if uh, if the magical alien is saying like oh you know, um Arthur is his own bane, it's not Mordred. Then in that respect, what 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 they're also saying is is that if that's the if that's the case, if that's the prophecy that Arthur is his own bane, then Merlin won't have any influence over Mordred like in his feelings towards Arthur because obviously Mordred in season five likes Arthur and even though he might not trust Merlin entirely because Merlin obviously is being a bit distrustful of him because of everything he knows Mordred doesn't necessarily care about Merlin it's Arthur he turns against and that's why he goes to Morgana because Arthur killed the woman he loves so if Arthur is his own bane then that still fulfills the prophecy of Mordred becoming Arthur's death because if Arthur is the one that breaks his heart you know not that he did anything wrong he you know just followed the law but if but if that's how it was always going to be then of course Mordred yes was always going to kill Arthur so I think that like it's all still wrapped up in it so I think that Merlin's distrust of him is completely valid because like he doesn't know how it's going to happen like he only knows it's going to happen so he could be very nice now yes of course but he doesn't know what's going to happen around the corner so like i said i think this i think what is really frustrating about this show is they give you these like outcomes of like oh this is going to happen and then merlin just kind of is left as the one with all the information and he has to decide what to do. He's being given the moral compass, as it were. And it's like, he doesn't know what to do with it. And so before he makes a decision, everything just goes bad because before he can decide to either get rid of someone or not, it's just like too much. And like, obviously in the desire, he makes a choice to try and, you know, make a decision where Mordred will die and it backfires against him awfully. (laughs) And it's just like, you know, Oh God. Arthur, um, I want to I want to go back a bit to to Arthur being his own bane. It isn't it isn't since you kill Kara, Mordred will kill you. It's specifically he did not accept magic, and that's yeah. what they were warned about through season five. Is that Mordred is the tool? He's the destined um, person that will end up killing Arthur, but only if Arthur doesn't accept magic. Yeah. And that is what Merlin should have been focusing on. He shouldn't, like, truly, it does. It didn't really matter how Merlin treated Mordred because Mordred isn't really what this all depends on. This isn't about Mordred's mm-hmm. mind state. It's about Arthur's accepting magic. And that's what Merlin was told. Arthur is his own bane. And then, you know, near the very end of it all is when Arthur's given the sigil. And he's told, this is your, this is your absolute last chance. You accept magic or you will die. This is this is your this is your sign that this is your last chance. And then he went to the desire and all that happened. And Mor- Merlin is here listening to all of this. He just didn't piece those two things together. Arthur yeah. is his own bane. This is his last chance. He and that's and that's why it hurts so fucking much when he has to choose between magic restored to Camelot and Mordred being killed because mm-hmm. he's already been told. If Arthur does not restore magic to Camelot right fucking now, he will die and yeah. Camelot will fall. Uh, but I also, think what Merlin has such a <laughs> yeah, but Merlin I has mean, such a tunnel just, vision when it comes to Arthur yeah, and like keeping him alive yeah, that I think he, he 
he isn't capable of piecing like you know even as viewers it's hard to piece that together so like for Merlin he's just like I care about keeping Arthur alive Mordred will kill Arthur so Mordred must die like that is literally and like he so can't, yeah. and that's but, where if that's his mind frame he really should have just killed Mordred immediately that's and what that's, I'm saying that's what I'm saying yeah we're not we're not disagreeing Roxanne <laughs> We're not disagreeing. We're just saying that since Merlin failed to do that. <laughs> no, what? Okay, with the Desir episode, it's still I still disagree that it was Arthur who is is his own bane because Merlin gave him like Arthur. I think while they were talking um, in in the night after the Desir gave him the ultimatum, Arthur had already talked himself into allowing magic back to Camelot for the sake of Mordred's life, but also because he could concede that maybe magic wasn't all bad. Like, even when he talks to Kara later, um, at least I believe that's when it is, he is like, it's not, it's not the magic that is evil, it is the people who use it, or something like that. He himself has recognized this at this point already. And in, in the Desir episode, uh, he talks to Merlin about it, uh, seeking Merlin's counsel, and he's already, like, he's brainstorming and talking himself into it, and uh, he's basically ready to accept magic, and he literally just wants Merlin to be like, do you agree? And Merlin... Because he has this tunnel vision, like you said, he has this tunnel vision of keeping Arthur alive, and he thinks that by, uh, you know, he thinks that allowing magic back is gonna save Mordred, and then Mordred will kill Arthur no matter what. So he thinks that not allowing magic back will kill Mordred, and thus Arthur will be safe. And that's why, while having tears in his eyes, he says, there is no place for magic in Camelot. Like, that is heartbreaking, and, like, I feel bad for Merlin, because he makes this decision, and he just, he he doesn't, he can't think straight in that moment, he doesn't think clearly, like, even at the end of this episode, he admits that he didn't think this through, that by by disallowing, or, or continuing to disallow magic in Camelot, Mordred, like, that has sealed the fate, and it's, like I said, it's Merlin who gives Arthur the advice and the Arthur takes the advice and it's not like I mean ultimately of course it is Arthur who makes the decision but Merlin must know at this point that what he says to Arthur has weight and if Merlin Merlin wouldn't have given Arthur the advice if he hadn't thought Arthur would take it so it is very much Merlin who made that decision for Arthur, which means, again, it wasn't Arthur himself who condemned himself to death. It was Merlin, which is why I'm so annoyed that... Yeah, so I... I mean, you know... But do you think... But 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 do you think that that would have made any difference for Kara? Because by that point, yeah. l- let's say Arthur had come round by that point, um, and you know she has already been living on the outskirts for years, hating Camelot. She would have still, I honestly believe, because she's been like like 
indoctrinated in this anti-Camelot rhetoric, even Mordred tries to talk her out of it. He's like, no, 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 he's not like that. Um, you know, she, like, I, 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 well, yeah, but she would have still tried to kill him. Yeah, it wouldn't have made a difference for Kara, but it would have made a difference for Mordred. If Mordred had already seen in the episode, like, because uh, the Desire is like, what, episode five, I think? And Drawing of the Dark is episode 11. There is a lot of time between episode five and 11. So, and if Arthur had had announced that he was allowing magic in Camelot, which even he would if, have had to do Arthur... to make his his deal with the Desire binding, you know, then Mordred would already know that things are starting to change, and that you know, change might be slow because things like that they can't happen overnight. But Mordred would have had the argument to say, "Listen, Kara." I know it has been hard for you, and I know you haven't seen the change yet, but the change is already happening. Arthur has already legalized magic again. Maybe in that time, if they had gone that route, Mordred had had felt safe to reveal his own magic and to see... Oh, don't do this to me! <laughs> <laughs> but Mordred has never seemed to care, like, apart from the first episode where he mentions to Merlin that he's hiding who he is and stuff, and Merlin gives him that, like, pep talk after he's been knighted that one day they'll be able to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, and then this, for me, there isn't enough content in season five to warrant Mordred, like, caring about magic laws at all he's he's he just, pissed because Kara was murdered by Arthur he doesn't care no. like, like I, mean, I, I, I don't know it doesn't it doesn't seem to me like he has the same passion for it as Merlin does for magic to be in Camelot I think, like I think that if Mordred had seen that Arthur is metaphorically speaking on his side with uh you know magic users then he would have because Kara's words had so much weight, partly because, of course, she and, and Mordred have a history together, but also because her words, in Mordred's experience, are true. There it has been no change for magic users. Magic users are still hunted and prosecuted and killed, and, and so on. But, like, there is just... I think that the way she was able to influence him wouldn't have worked that well if Mordred had proof that Arthur isn't the tyrant, who, the uncaring tyrant that Kara claims him to be. All Mordred would say was, I hope that someday Arthur changes. I hope that someday Arthur changes. And then Merlin, the person who was supposed to be helping Arthur change, is pointedly not. I It frustrated me through the through the whole fifth season, how little Merlin seems to care about magic users. And then Mordred, and a lot of it, you do just have to read into who he is. They didn't explicitly say enough, but he he tells, you know, Merlin and Mordred have the talk over the guy's um, grave, you know, um, till then we go and march in death as in life. He talks to Morgana about, about um, you know, the hope for Camelot one day, Kara, I, and I swear other people through it. It is his mind frame that that they're working toward that. And then Merlin is specifically working against it in order to preserve Arthur's life. And and Mordred is so much more affected by magic persecution than Merlin ever has been. Because Merlin has lived in secret his whole life, but he's yeah. been pretty darn safe his whole life in terms of magic as well. Mordred has been in three groups of druids who were slaughtered in front of him when he was nine. Uh, 
whatever else he did in those years, he says he says to Morgana that he had to learn to not trust people because um, you don't know who will betray you, which speaks to situations where he was betrayed. Uh, he was working with slavers. He's been through shit. And he's never had a safe place in Camelot to be himself or even people to be with and to trust. He's He's been alone his whole fucking life. And all he has to say over and over again, one day, I hope Arthur will change. And that's just essentially not enough. Kara's the catalyst. Like, she's what finally just pushes it all over the edge. But it's been, I think, building for a long time, watching his family and his people be slaughtered. And he's a survivor. He's living in Camelot, doing fine himself right now. But when his childhood friend, Love, is killed, it's it's finally enough. And if, I think that I think that Merlin is what pushed him over the edge a lot more than Arthur. And obviously Arthur had to do with it because it's that's all of it. But he he's just lost hope in this in Arthur and in Merlin. He's Merlin doesn't give a shit about the magic people anymore. And of course, Dreamland, Merlin would support both. But when it comes to Arthur who is persecuting all these people being killed and all of these people being free or Arthur being alive and these people still being murdered or not murdered, slaughtered, killed daily. He picks Arthur. Mm. And I disagree with that. (laughs) I think that even if it was still set in stone that Mordred will kill Arthur, should he be saved by the Desir, he still should have picked his people. Uh, It's, it's hard. (laughs) I love Arthur. I do. But Merlin picked Arthur over how many people, how much life, how much of this twisted society against magic. He decided Arthur is worth more than them. But, but that is the tragedy of the situation, isn't it? It's just that it, it is that decision of like, is it is it the good of like more people? But it's weird, isn't it? Because I think Merlin genuinely, I think like I think that he always kind of had this like hope as he was growing up in Camelot that one day things would change. But season five, I think definitely has uh, a shift and there's a Tumblr post where um, it's the moment in the kindness of strangers where that woman is like helping him hide. He's been injured and she's like taking him up to this tower. Yeah. And then eventually he gets fi- uh, yeah. uh, uh, found by Kilgara. But um, he's like, Oh, you're really good at this, like hiding and stuff. And she's like, Oh, I've been on the run for years. Like even before Arthur, like, you know, like in Uther's yeah. time and Merton looks Arthur. really guilty. Yeah. And he says like, you know, barely being able to speak cause he's injured. He says, it won't always be like this one day. Things will be better, but you can tell by this point, he just doesn't believe it anymore. He's just like, this is always what it's going to be like. And I think I that think he, he just yeah. has lost hope himself. And he's like, I, you know, I don't know what else to do because every time I try to turn Arthur towards magic, it just becomes worse. <laughs> like it just gets think, worse. Yeah. So it's just that I think he, knows yeah, that he needs to be the one to bring up about that change, and he's really scared to. He has tried repeatedly, and I think it'll. I think it would take saying Arthur, I have magic, and he just cannot do it. He cannot bring himself to do that. What I wanted to touch on real quickly is um, Mordred in the last two episodes, um, like especially the uh, Diamond of the Day Part One, because. I mean, I don't know how much time has passed between Drawing of the Dark and Diamond of the Day Part 1. 
when I first watched it and then later thinking about it, I thought they were really close together. But now rewatching it today, I feel like there's probably has probably passed much more time between the two than I originally realized. Because when uh, Morgana tells Mordred to send a uh, hundred men to the hidden path at Kamlan uh, to ambush Arthur's, uh, Arthur's camp, uh, Mordred is like, like Morgana is like, send good soldiers. And Mordred is, I will choose them myself. Which makes me think, okay, according to Arthur and Leon talking earlier, Morgana has an army of thousands of Saxons and Mordred feels competent enough to choose the hundred best ones or like really good ones which means he would have had to spend time with all these soldiers to really be able to make that choice <laughs> and also for them to accept him as his leader because you know and I think uh, that that they're there, were, there was a lot more time that passed. And in that time, no matter how much time actually passed, but you can see that Mordred, now that his first anger and, and upset has um, settled down, is not really... Like, he's not 100% sure that Morgana's methods are the way to go. <laughs> That's putting it lightly. <laughs> like, coming back to that scene with the, with the ugly slug thing, I forgot what it's called... Um, he's like, he asks her, "Was is there really, uh, like, what was the point?" Or like, he asks her something like, "Uh, did you really have to do that to this man, uh, just to prove your point or or just to demonstrate what this creature can do?" And Morgana is like, "Yes, I did have to." I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that he's one hundred percent sure she's not the good way to go. She's just the best. Uh, like I was saying before, he's he's a survival he's a survivor through the whole thing, and he works with bad people to get what he wants. Um, and Morgana is that. Arthur was his best option, working with a bad person, bad as in killing all of his people <laughs> um, to get what he wants, which is eventually Arthur not killing his people. And when he gave up on that option, he goes to Morgana. I I kind of I really wish that they had shown it in the show. But I don't think Mordred was planning on staying with Morgana or keeping her in rule. He's he's working to def- he's working with one evil to defeat another, and then he will deal with that other evil um, as the as the situation comes. But he he still does not think Morgana's doing the right thing. She's obviously working against the magic people as well. She's just working against Arthur, however she can. There is a there is a deleted scene um, for the Diamond of the Day Part One. Where Mordred and Morgana, like just before Morgana gives him the sword, uh, the most fortunate Ithusa's breath, and uh, they talk, and Mordred uh, says something like, Do we really have to go to war? Isn't there another way? And like he says something like, I still think that Arthur can change for the better, that he can make the right choice, and that he can be a good, like a good king who accepts magic. Like he says that. Like, not exactly those words, but he, he says that he thinks that Arthur still can change. And, like, he already realized at that point that supporting Morgana is prob- like is, is not the way that is best. Like, he, he clearly has had second thoughts, but like you said, May, he still thinks that for the time being, or, like, given everything that's happened, Morgana is probably his best bet to 
you know, free magic people from um from Arthur. And like it's just I'm just so upset that they cut out this scene because it you know, it makes this it makes the character much more interesting and that he then really does decide to go and kill Arthur after all. That even after he had this moment of doubting Morgana's methods openly, maybe even doubting himself, he still goes along with the plan and he still goes and and kills Arthur. So <laughs> and, and Morgana's reply, <laughs> Morgana's reply to to him in that scene is is reminding him that they killed Kara. He's, yeah. I remember she, yeah. she, she, she very much Kara. plays on his emotions. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that shows that that really is definitely what what pinged him over the edge. Kara's death is just the because he really did separate himself for for however many years between Butterfield and uh, Vahos. He he had that time period of of not of probably not even in Camelot at all, uh, and then he's a knight and he's distanced again from seeing his family be treated this way. His people, his groups, his camps, um, him like his people. He like Merlin can just close his eyes and ignore it and hope for a better tomorrow, and then he's fully reminded of what's actively going on. He's he's reminded that it's a fucking war. Like he's He's horrified to see Kara kill this Camelot guard. And she's just like, he's a Camelot soldier. Like, what the, what the fuck? Why are you caring? And then you go back to Butterfield, who kills two at once, and is like, yes, and runs away. He doesn't care because they are the enemy. And he's now torn between which one is the enemy. And bottom line is it's the people trying to kill him. <laughs> he's very... um Bible again, Esther. He reminded me of Esther when I was rewatching all of his stuff last week. Um, he and Merlin both remind me so much of the story of Esther, except they didn't tell the king. <laughs> they didn't tell him who they were. They didn't save everyone. I just wish it hadn't been for a girl. I resent the heck out of the decision to make Kara this this fridged girlfriend prop. Like this is this is the epitome of the trope of the fridged girlfriend. Uh, that I I don't know if you know that, but there's like this this. Uh, comic book trope where like uh, I forgot which comic book it is but you can look it up on uh, tvtropes.org uh, where like the, the hero of the comic book comes home to find his girlfriend dead I think even cut into pieces in his refrigerator and then he has an then he has of course a violent emotional response and goes on a rampage to avenge her death and um, that is basically Kara just without the refrigerator. What what matters to me is I, I would have been really upset if she had if he had just met her then, you know, like um like they did with Blaine and Pineapple Ira, whatever her name is. Ira. Uh yeah. But he, I don't think they'd ever even had a relationship. I think that it would have gone that way. But they were I think they yeah. were friends as kids. I think that they were probably another group that both lived in the same camp, that camp is getting killed, they run opposite ways, never see each other again till now. It's, and so I truly I truly don't mind because I don't think it had anything to do with romance. I had genuinely been waiting the whole episode for him to say they were brother and sister because I thought they looked really similar. And then they keep getting like more and more holding each other's faces, forehead press, and it's like, okay, I'm going with nod. And it turns out that no, they're not. 
but I would have preferred that. Like, I would have preferred it because it, it solidifies that this is not because of romance or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. It's true. It's, I don't think it has to do with that. I think that she's just... But I'm just generally, like, this has happened several times already in the show. Like, it happened with Isolde, who died just so Arthur could have his big epiphany that, you know, maybe I should marry Gwen before she dies too. And then again... Kara dies so uh, so Mordred can have his big emotional breakdown and go betray Merlin to Morgana. Now that we're discussing like Mordred's kind of like loss of hope and it's kind of like this building thing and like Kara's just like this kind of um, catalyst in a way. It's it's very interesting, but I just don't I don't like that I have to dig through all that meta to kind of get there because as a viewer, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that that's what it was. I felt like it was a silly love story that made him then turn um, because I, that is that that is what breaks him and makes him go crazy and like have that explosion. Like we don't even see him do magic until she's killed. I'm like, that's ridiculous. We did see him do magic in uh, with all my heart when he uses magic against Morgana. Oh, okay. Sorry. My bad. Which is also interesting. The only times we ever see Mordred use magic is defensively. Like, I mean, talking in his head to Merlin and Morgana isn't really magic. It's just an ability he has, I believe. And then, okay, he has this impulse of uncontrolled magic where he... Uh, where the mirror breaks, but even that is more like uh, an emotional reaction. But any other time we see Mordred do magic, both as a kid and in season five, is uh, defensively. Like, he uses magic to uh, knock the soldiers unconscious in the first episode in season two he's in. Then he uses it to uh, levitate the spears and kill the, the knights in the second episode he's in. And then in season five, we see him once use it against Morgana, the the weird push magic that knocks people on the ground. Um, and then uh, when he's freeing himself out of the cell, and I don't think we see him do magic again until he dies. Like, does he do magic again? Ever? <laughs> um, well, he throws fireballs. That's his... Um, and it's still broad side defensive but he and Morgana team up and they have their big um big spell that they cast and it's lobbing it's lobbing fireballs oh yeah right yeah that's true they love the fireballs so what I would have liked uh to to sum this up a little bit what I would have liked for Mordred as a character what would have been a for me more interesting and convincing storyline for Mordred would have been if he had been forced into killing Arthur either by mind control, like uh, we saw Morgana use the Fomora in his neck, um, or the way she she mind controlled Gwen into trying to kill Arthur. Like, that would have been a way, although kind of gotten boring by this point in time. Or some kind of blackmail. Like, if the show was going to use Kara as a prop to justify Mordred turning evil, why not make her... Like, either be Morgana's trusted lackey or her actual prisoner who gets used to make Mordred do uh, what Morgana wants. I I like that it's Mordred's decision. I, I, really, I really like that he had enough and he was finally fighting for his people. And I, and I, I didn't have to, like, look into Mordred's character to get this. I guess he just 
like resonated with me. I guess I really liked him, but I loved Kara. I I never saw her as someone who was who was a prop because I loved her. Um, I hated her pride. Just accept, say that, just say that you didn't mean to kill Arthur and come back and kill him again. You have an out woman and a second chance, and she didn't take it. I mean, she's she's also an eighteen year old fanatical activist who has been fighting for her life. Like I can I can respect that she would rather die than like give up her cause or like go back on her on her cause like she she very much knew that she was mating herself a martyr and she was uh like don't forget that she was like 18 she and mordred are supposed to be the same age and they are still like they're still babies honestly (laughs) even at 18 or 17 or 19 or whatever they're supposed to be they are babies Okay, and and they have their teenagers who have deep emotional responses to stuff, and everything is super traumatic all the time. <laughs> especially when you, especially when you grow up fighting for your life and trying to survive all your life. So you know, I can. I'd be like, yes, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have tried to kill you. That was wrong of me. I will leave and never come back. And then I'd come back Tuesday and I'd try again. Another way I could have seen the Mordred uh plot line going was if he had really grown up to resent Arthur and Camelot uh, like like Kara for example had like if he like I would have liked that as well I just I just feel like I agree that it's great that it was Mordred's decision to turn sides and fight against Arthur even though he has been Arthur's uh Arthur's uh quasi son the whole time but at the same time, I feel like this change came about too suddenly for me. Like, just to see him go from one episode being really close friends with Arthur and being really trusted by Arthur and trusting Arthur to then not doing it anymore. It's just, I don't know, it came to, it came to like it felt too rushed for me personally. I I think I think that that I didn't feel that way to me because I was I was taking everything that happened to Mordred into account to it building up. He is like simmering the whole fifth season about Merlin, and well, more than simmering, he's bubbling over, and he has struggles with Arthur too, and he. But we don't read. But we don't see those struggles with Arthur. Like from rewatching it. Mordred very much like he struggles he definitely struggles with Merlin because there is this whole uh, like he still tries to convince Merlin that he's that he's a good boy and that he can be trusted but Arthur since Arthur has been nothing but kind to Mordred like throughout all of their interactions going back to when Mordred was eight to recent times like apart from the whole like the elephant in the room, the whole Arthur doesn't allow magic in Camelot part. Arthur has shown Mordred nothing but absolute kindness and and you know goodness and just acceptance. But that's the thing is that it's really not it's really not personal. And he, he when I say he struggles with Arthur, I truly do just mean in a magical acceptance kind of way. Like literally, they're not even allowed to have their graves marked. That's still a law that Arthur has and and enforces enough that Merlin needs to do it in secret. Things like that through all his time as a knight 
that he sees and registers. And that's just gotta be building, but in a non-personal way, because he's Arthur is not mean to him. But he knows that if Arthur knew him, he has no predictability over what would happen. That if if he had been honest his entire time about who he was, he wouldn't be here and he wouldn't be treated this way. He'd be dead in an unmarked grave. <laughs> and that hurts. <laughs> and when it's finally when he finally does see someone he knows again be killed and ditched in an unmarked grave he's just had enough and he finally accepts that as nice as arthur is as a person he's being a tyrant to mordred's people who should be arthur's people people as well and as opposite of merlin he makes the choice that he's going to put personal loyalties aside and fight for the big picture this is also proven by after Mordred escaped, and, and it's very clear that Mordred escaped through magic um, at the end of Drawing of the Dark. Arthur is in his rooms talking to Merlin, and he's like, I shouldn't have trusted him, and I've made a terrible mistake, haven't I? Like, Arthur realizes what kind of repercussions this might have, but the question is, because this isn't clear... What mistake is Arthur referring to? Trusting Mordred or or giving Mordred cause to hate him? Ooh. I think trusting him. They're so he Probably, wasn't like yeah, from the context since he just said uh, she never should have trusted him. Um, I've made a terrible... But I don't think that that line particularly makes sense. I made a terrible mistake, haven't I? For trust... Because Mordred has already gone. Like, what... what what disadvantage did Arthur have from from having Mordred there? Oh my god, I've just realized something really, really weird that I think I kind of love. Like, so, you know how we just were talking about how, oh, is Arthur his own bane kind of thing? And while you guys were talking about, like, his kind of, like, thing with magic, I was trying to think back, you know, God, that, you know, this this entire family in this show, like, the whole tragedy of it is this downward spiral of, like, not being able to get out of the cycle of hating magic, you know? And then I was like, oh, so Arthur hates it because Uther hates it and Uther hates it. And, and then I was just really, the reason why Arthur hates magic and the reason why he ends up dying because of it is because he was born. Like, it's because of himself. If he'd never been born, Uther would never... Oh. Oh, Uther would never have like okay. hated magic users because he because Egraine wouldn't have died. Someone write me the Camelot AU in which Arthur never gets born. Since we're already since we're already talking about AUs and fanworks, that perfectly segues us into Mordred in fanworks because um like the way okay again I I have mostly only read Murther AUs in this fandom. Uh, so far, although I am slowly branching out now. Um, but what I've observed is that Mordred's characterization and his role in a fanfic highly depends on how much the author likes Mordred, clearly. Because I remember, uh, like I said this to you guys before we started uh, recording the podcast, I remember when I came back into fandom a couple of years ago, it was through fanfic mostly and almost all of the fanfic i well first podfic i listened to and then fanfic i read mordred was the bad guy so i actively disliked mordred until i rewatched the show and was like oh my god he's a good popper save him uh so you know it's really interesting 
that so many authors, like especially the Martha Shippers, I can sort of understand, hate Mordred. He did the thing. He does kill Arthur. (laughs) So when an author doesn't like Mordred, Mordred will be either Arthur's or Merlin's enemy. Sometimes even Merlin's or Arthur's abusive ex-boyfriend or ex-partner of some kind. I know I've definitely read or listened to part fig and or fix in which um, Mordred was an abusive ex-boyfriend of either Merlin or Arthur. And you can also tell when uh, when a fic was written pre-season 5, because Mordred always will be the bad guy, clearly. And then it really is pretty common for him to be a kid. Like, like in Mordred Morgana fanfictions, he's their son. Um, in just, in a fanfiction where Morgana's a single mother, he's the son. Uh, he, they use Butterfield pretty often. You know, a part of the happily ever family life. There's also, like, I know there is uh, this really epic modern AU Merthyr fake called Arcane Asylum, I think written by New Kate, but I might be wrong, um, in which Merlin and Kit M- Mordred um, are, like, the best of friends. Um, And they both know about the prophecy of Mordred being the one to destroy the thing that Merlin loves the most. That's the wording of the prophecy, apparently. And they both, like, they are both in in a prison for magic users. And Merlin is like, the only thing I love most in here is, like, Macaroni Tuesday. And I don't think Mordred would would destroy that. But then, of course, Merlin meets Arthur and, uh, you know, the whole thing changes. But, um... I found that really interesting. So yeah, it's it's Mordred's role is really interesting to watch in fanfic. How like you can always tell how the author feels about Mordred depending on how they write him. Like if an author likes Mordred, then he'll be Merlin's friend or uh, an ex with whom he parted on good terms. Um, I rarely see him being Arthur's ex, except when you know author like when it's an abusive. Uh, previous relationship which is funny because you know you'd think that be like Mordred and Merlin being similar looking uh, that Arthur would have a type (laughs) where he goes for Mordred as well as Merlin oh dear it also like this level of sympathy from the author also decides how much screen time Mordred gets in fakes or how important he is to the plot I mean Obviously, when you read fics that don't actually concentrate on him as a character, then clearly he has less, much less screen time than the main characters, main characters do. But even so, you can't tell. Like, I know I've started writing him into more stories that I wrote and like giving him more time, more screen time in fics that I wrote after I started liking him. So, and I, before that, I, I either kept him out or... I don't think I wrote anything before I started liking him, so I probably would have made him a villain as well if I had written fic. Weirdly enough, I don't think I've ever read a fic with Mordred in it, apart from The Student (laughs) Prince, where he's a cat. I think I haven't really read that many post-season five fics that that were set during season five because it was just too painful, and now... I prefer to like read either modern AUs, which for some reason still like I don't see a lot of Mordred about. I don't really know why. Or I like to go back and revisit like 
fix that I loved like you know when I when like the show was still airing in which case like there's like no Mordred <laughs> like he's just not in there at all because obviously he was a child um so yeah but it's like an adventure like is Mordred gonna be in this one what'll happen who will he be I've reached a point where when when Mordred shows up in a fig he isn't automatic like you can't tell anymore immediately if when Mordred shows up in a fig he's going to be the villain like not with like when valiant shows up when valiant shows up in a fic you know he's gonna be the villain like i don't think i have read a single story in which valiant has been a good dude <laughs> i have read stories in which sophia is much more likable than valiant i mean usually sophia is also a bad influence or, or a bad character but uh sophia also tends because because she's a lady and we try to give ladies better representation. So, I mean, I know I've written Sophia into sympathetic roles, um, or more sympathetic roles at least. But, like, when Valiant shows up, you know, you know, no, he's a bad dude. With Mordred, I can't tell anymore because I've now uh, written, read, and listened to enough stories where Mordred was either the villain or an ally or good lad. So... I like that. <laughs> there's a little of, there's, a, there's always a surprise now. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of surprises, uh, what do you think? Uh, like, what would Modred's main love interest be in fanfics? I would hope it would. I actually don't know. I really don't know. I seem to run into more Arthur Mordred than I would like to. Well, one is more than I would like to, but it seems <laughs> to be common. Interesting. Um, but I see him pretty, pretty often um, given to Morgana, Merlin, and Arthur, and just flying solo. And Kara. He's been with Kara in quite a few, just like, yeah, Merlin's friends, Morgan and Kara. So I really don't know. So I've, uh, I figured it would be Merlin or Kara or one of the knights uh, who are like his, his main partners in, in pairings. And then, of course, I checked AO3 to back up or contradict my assumptions. So I checked these, like, yesterday. I think these are the most current stats we've ever had on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I checked the stats yesterday, which was the 24th of March, 2018. Um, the character tag for Mordred is, of course, Mordred, parenthesis, Merlin. Which is funny because in my script I wrote Mordred parenthesis Mordred. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that you were trying to make the show called Mordred. <laughs> the show is actually called <laughs> Merlin. There are uh, around 1,400 works with that tag, with that character tag. And the top five ships that I could find are Merlin slash Mordred with 265 works. Mordred and Morgana with only 55 works. And on this, in the same spot, Merlin, Mordred, Arthur, with also 55 works. And then Mordred, Arthur has 43 works. And Kara, Mordred is on, uh, in place 5 with 33 works. And then, like I suspected, you have a bunch more slash ships where Mordred gets paired with the knights, like Percival, there's some Gwen Mordred, there's Leon Mordred... There is uh, Elian Mordred, although only like two works are Elian Mordred and one of them is mine. There is Merlin Mordred Morgana, which I'm really interested in finding out what the, what the ship name is for them. Mordred Ghana, maybe? Or I don't know. I don't even know what the, what the ship name for uh, Mordred Morgana is. 
more. Oh, oh my god, it's more drama. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. That's amazing. I think like we've already mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I feel like the only time I would ever read like fic with like actually seek out like a ship tag with Mordred in it is if it was the classic, yeah, like Merlin Arthur Mordred, where like he's the the young the youngling that they kind of like take under their wing kind of thing and it's <laughs> Let's like show you how I can't it's done. <laughs> oh my god stop it I can't. I can't cope like it's like the best trope on the planet and I'm just like oh like Mordred is like like literally like looks like the type as well I'm just like this like like this fandom needs to be stopped like it's just too much. <laughs> there are also a bunch of there are also a bunch of uh, porn ficlets, of course, where Mordred has like group sex with several of the knights or other multiple partners. And there are also a bunch of crossover pairings, like this one I found interesting, Mordred and Hermione Granger. I might have to read this one. It was even specifically Merlin's Mordred and Hermione Granger, like not any Mordred. It was Mordred parenthesis Merlin slash Hermione Granger, so I might have to check that out. So let's have let's have some recs. Do you guys have any recommendations prepared for this? I do. Okay, then go ahead. Um, I've got two. They're both uh, they're not Mordred like character vids because I couldn't uh, find any. If I did enough digging, I probably could, but I didn't. So, um, but I have two um, uh, Mordred and Arthur vids, like not like romantic ones. They're just like about their kind of relationship um which i find interesting because i find more arthur mordred vids on youtube than merlin mordred even though their relationship is the one that was the like the oldest like out of all of like mordred's like interactions with the main characters which is so funny um so i've got arthur and mordred uh with the song shattered uh by trading yesterday which is like i've uh i i wrecked a mirtha vid with this song already it's like a youtube like like classic because the song is just really really angsty and amazing and then uh i've got another one that's called uh death like that's literally the, just the name of the video <laughs> um <Lovely>. yeah <laughs> and uh i can't remember what the actual song title of this one is but i watched it the other day and it's really really good they're both really good and they're both like yeah just kind of angsty and obviously all season five focused so yeah i have a couple of fic wrecks i've i've failed at having more Mordred-centric fics prepared, but I do have three Merthyr fics in which he plays an important part, and then one fic uh, with a Mordred pairing without any Merthyr anywhere. So I'll start with the with the Merthyr ones. The first is called, I mentioned it already, uh, it's called Defenders of the Realm. It was written by uh, Lamardus. Plot fic is by Feige. It's about uh, 50... 7,600 words long, rated explicit. The summary is Modern AU. Arthur and Morgana are metropolitan police officers drawn into a strange case involving robbery of ancient artifacts. Merlin is a graduate student at Imperial College studying the healing plants of ancient Britain under Gaius. Or at least that's what he tells everyone. Soon they, along with Gwen, Lancelot and Uther, will be facing a battle for the future of the country. Can they defend the realm from those who would seek to destroy it? And this fic was written in 2009, so just after season one aired. Like, this was the first Merlin Big Bang for which this was written. And this also explains why Gwen is called Gawain and is mixed race in this uh, fic, because he didn't exist on the show yet. 
and um tiny spoiler Mordred is the villain in this one <laughs> but it's such an in- like he's an he's a he's a really interesting villain I find in this one so uh go check that one out <clears throat> the second one is a um a double fake uh thing it's uh it's two stories that go together uh the first one is called Mr. Emrys and the Pret and the second one is Mr. Emrys and the Brat it was written by Becca Lili and also part fig by Becca Lili. Um, only the part fig is still available because Becca Lili uh, deleted their life journal, but the part fig is still available on the audio fig archive. <clears throat> it's rated teen and up. It's only like 15 minutes long, I think, both both parts together. And the summary is, Mordred's favorite teacher is Mr. Emrys because he's fun and nice and not at all freaked out by Mordred's general creepiness. And Mordred completely doesn't want him to date his uncle Arthur, who is a pret. Cue Mordred making up stories about Arthur. This is, I listened to it again last night. This is hilarious. I absolutely love it. Mordred is adorable. And like the first part is from his point of view which is why it's called Mr. Emrys and the Pret and then the second one is from Arthur's point of view which is why it's called Mr. Emrys <laughs> and the Pret so basically Arthur and Mordred in this fic don't really like each other all that much but Mordred is only like I think six years old or maybe eight or something in that bracket I think it's six the second one is a similarish it's called Snap Point written by Raspberry Pop uh, was part fic by Eos Rose. It's only 1,600 words long, also rated teen. Um, the part fic is about 11 minutes. And the summary is, Mordred knows UST when he sees it. No matter how hard his cousin Arthur and his babysitter Merlin try to dance around the issue. So you have another kid Mordred point of view fic where he observes Merlin and Arthur being weird around each other and having unresolved sexual tension. (laughs) They're both absolutely hilarious, and Mordred is such a precocious little shit in both of them. It's amazing. And then my last one is called Last Night, written by Aconite. It's only 463 words long, rated general. It has the pairing Mordred slash Percival, which is now becoming my new favorite slash pairing, honestly, because I can't... The small and the tall, it's just, I love it already. <laughs> and the summary is, Mordred has no idea whose number he saved in his phone the night before, let alone how to flirt with that mysterious person. But he's in luck because Gwen is there to save the day. It is really cute because, like, uh, Mordred met uh, Percy at a bar while he was drunk and then uh, Gwen helps him along to, like, con- get back in touch with Percy and find out who he even is and it's just so adorable and lastly i also have a like for christmas last year i became a troll and uh, reblocked a lot of um, mortared gift sets arts etc on my tumblr to uh, celebrate <laughs> the anniversary of, of author's death uh, because that's that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> so I have this tag on Tumblr, which is called Mordred Did Nothing Wrong 2K17. And if you want to have some Mordred goodness on Tumblr, I uh, you can go and check that out. And I will link that in our post for you. I've gone through the tag. It's good. So that brings us to the end of this episode. It has been... Great talking to you again, May. 
yeah. super fun. Thanks for having me back. And I hope our listeners had fun listening to us flail about verbally about portrait. <laughs> Next time in two weeks, we are going to do another episode review. Finally, we are going to talk about the sixth episode of the first season, a remedy to cure all ills. Until then, thanks again, as always, for listening. I have been Mamotastic. I'm Miss Snowfox. And thank you to our guest. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>